And so the, when it comes to wearables, for me, you know, the wristwatch, I mean, we, the wristwatch dates back to the 1600s, right? It's, it's in many ways the original personal computing form factor. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 176. We have with us Lior Stern, a product manager at Google. Lior is an entrepreneur and two-time Googler. Since Google acquired his wearable OS company, Chronologics Corporation, Lior has been working on product leadership roles at Google. Prior to founding Chronologics, Lior held senior business development roles at IFTTT and Google. He opened Google's office in Israel and was part of the founding team of Niantic Labs. Lior Stern, thank you for being on 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Good, good. It's my pleasure. I am so excited to speak to you about your journey. You know, you, your LinkedIn says two-time Googler. Not many people have that. On, have that. A lot of people have ex-Googler or Googler, but two-time Googler, that's, I think, something special that I want to hear about. I want to hear about your experience with, you know, the, the watch industry and the smart wear. How, how are we advancing, you know, with, the, with different devices that are, you know, in our lives, but with technology? And, uh, you know, your journey from corporate to startup to another startup to corporate. Lior, take me through your journey. How do you get started with what do you do? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, Google, when, when I first joined Google in 2003, it wasn't quite that corporate yet. There were a couple thousand people in the company, um, and it was still still felt, and I think in retrospect, obviously, was early days. Wow, 2003, uh, that's, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and the story I tell, since, you know, since, since we're Israeli, is, is um, the, yeah, I was the first Israeli at Google who was not uh, either a software engineer or like working in HR, you know, and um, so Israel was the biz- the ads business in Israel was kind of my 20% project, which wow. quickly grew. And then uh, I basically, just to give you a sense of how we did things back then, I recruited my friends who were in university to help translate um, text strings as we were localizing uh, the the AdWords product into, Unbelievable. into you know into Hebrew and, and local currency, um, and then was as as the the business kept growing, uh, you know I, I wasn't fucking it up. Um, and, uh, <laughs> That's always a good thing. Yes, yes, um, and and so we and, and I lobbied for a while and uh, to, that that Google should sort of get more serious about Israel and open an office, and so. When we finally decided to to do that, I was I was kind of first person on the ground to to uh, hire and train the team and kind of help them get set up and integrate with uh, integrate with Google broadly. Uh, and then from there, I, I did a similar role, kind of uh, building and managing a, a larger cluster. Of, what are some of, of the challenges that go with? What are some of the challenges that go with, you know, bringing a business like like ads, like Google AdWords to another country? You know, both, you know, obviously the localization of it, but also in terms of mindset, you know, looking at a whole different country, a whole different like operations. What, what comes with what entails with with that endeavor? You know, I think it's like with any it's almost like uh, it's almost like moving countries, right? Uh, so, th- so it's a big logistical challenge that contain- contains within it um, lots and lots of smaller problems, right? So 
what you do is, is you try to kind of break down, here's all the problems and, and almost turn it into like a step-by-step -step kind of, okay, so first you need to establish a local tax entity, local legal entity so that you can operate in this market. Right. Then if you're getting paid, again, this is before Stripe and, you know, with the, the, every, every, you know, accepting foreign currency, yeah. you had to have uh, largely homegrown solutions for that. So you have to figure out how to get paid, um, how to uh, establish your taxation status. You know, it's just basically a list of problems that you cross off, right? Who, who's going to who's gonna run the, the, this entity? What kind of rules do we need? Uh, what does our business objective look like? You know, yeah. in the end, uh, we had something like a 150-page presentation that was kind of the the roadmap, right? Like wow. the business plan for, for, for Google in this new country. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay, wait, but, but then, Lior, you know, there's so much that I want to cover. So you move on to, you know, head of the business development at, at, at IFTTT. Now, I've used IFTTT myself uh, to help me automate some processes. And for whoever doesn't know, IFTTT, if this, then that, it's this idea that we can create our own paths to productivity and, and you automate different processes, integrating different applications, right? And, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so then what, what does that mean, you know, leading the business development? After 10 years at Google, you decide to go. And, you know, between what you just told me and, and when you left for IFTTT, you've done so much, obviously. And you ran business development also within Google for different jurisdictions. So, But, but then you transitioned to the startup life. And what was that transition like? Uh, you know, it was, so I left Google after 10 years and, yeah. and joined uh, IFT. And when I joined IFT, there were nine people on, on staff. So it was still very small. It was, wow. it was you know, the product was well established and, and still doing well. And I love it. Uh, but at the time, the company was still small. And, you know, there were things, by the time I left Google, it was much bigger. You know, what I, I would say that it does meet the defin your definition of corporate here, right? So it was definitely leaving the big company life behind. Um, it was a little bit like jumping off the ledge, right? Especially having spent, the, professionally, I grew up at Google, right? right. Uh, and what, what I will say is overall, the experience was, it, there were, I didn't find that I was at much of a disadvantage or that I even missed some of the big company creature comforts and perks as much as I, Feared I might, you know. At, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what you have in the snack room or you know where you get your lunch is, you know, th th those those things can have a cumulative effect to kind of optimize your working day. But it's not like not having these things is catastrophic. And I also found that, you know, it was professionally and creatively extremely liberating to. Um, come into a, a much smaller environment and basically ha have to tackle problems end to end and spend time thinking about how do we impact things for our users? How do we impact things for the ecosystem? Right. Rather than how do I navigate the internal, you know, checks and balances and all the kinds of points of friction that a big company has on the way to getting something done. Right. And then, you know, running business development for a small, like fast growing product, very, very, you know, focused rather than, you know, dealing within the, the business organization of Google, how does that, how does that fare? What, what are the different priorities that you have to keep in mind? Uh, you know, so I think uh, you, you kind of you need to dial up the hustle factor quite a bit because it's, 
you know, at a startup, it really is much more existentially critical that you right. get things done. I think it's also hard, even even for, you know, if you have a hot brand, um, it can still be difficult to get mindshare. Uh, and what's most difficult from, from big companies that you're trying to partner with, um, and what's most difficult is getting uh, prospective partners or customers to trust you, right? To trust that the company will, you know, that there's longevity, right? Uh, and and that, it, that that you're you're kind of a good investment of their money or time. Uh, so those are those are some of the bigger challenges. I think on the plus side, you are startups can 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 take bigger risks. They there's less kind of baggage. There's less legacy stuff to deal with. So even as something as simple as uh, look, I'm making a call a call out to Nike to to suss them out about something. You don't have to. You just need to 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 find a contact and set up time with them. You don't need to worry about like, well, are there other conversations going on with Nike right. or like, is this team working with them? Right. Which, by the time I left Google, what was was the case? Right. Like there are lots and lots of, of course. Lots of, there's the breadth of activity was so was so vast. Of course. Uh, so you can you need you need to hustle more, but you can be more. There's less dissipation of effort, if that right. makes sense. And I yeah. think that's true. I found that to be the case as, as a as a startup CEO as well. Is you know you're you're kind of um, you don't have uh, the advantages of a big platform to go with, but you also once you focus on doing something, ninety nine percent of your effort is just doing it instead of you know doing it and being and kind of doing your diligence or like kind of satisfying checks and balances and the kinds sure. of things that, again, a, a larger public company um, has has a, the responsibility to go through. So you move, you move from corporate to joining the leadership of an existing company, and then you decide to go full throttle on the entrepreneurship path and, and create a startup yourself. You end up selling that startup to Google, which is actually how you go back to Google, and that is the the two timer. But but walk me through. You know, you become passionate about something that I don't believe you've dealt with before, right? This whole, this whole like smartware and how we're interacting with technology on our bodies. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I um you know in, in my previous my first run, I guess at Google, uh, I worked on a lot of emerging uh, hardware form factors and you know, was was involved with with some mobile technologies early on. I did a lot of work on speech recognition, uh, for instance, and location. Uh, and so when when I started Chronologics, really was we started the company um, in late 2014. Um, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a while, but I also um, saw that Apple launched the Apple Watch then, and I, I, you know, I became convinced that sort of this is where the puck was headed, right? Okay. Um, that was, um, wearables were going to be a significant personal computing form factor, and this was this was a problem that I wanted to take apart and solve. It. Uh, so, so that's kind of how how we came to work on the space. I also think, you know, since you know Ift, um, and by virtue of Ift being a connector between different products and services. Uh, early on, I, I also got to spend a lot of time with wearable companies and kind of creating these integrations that allowed people to, right. for instance, flash flash my light disco theme if I meet my Fitbit step count, right? Those kinds of things. Uh, so there, so I saw that there was a lot of interest and a lot of value for users, not necessarily in that silly example, but in, so it's in not um, silly in at all. I have to smart say. wearables, a hundred percent. And then, but but you know, you go then 
to the more software side, you actually build an operating system, right, for, right. for wearables. And That's right. so you're coming in from the, you know, like this business background and the head of business development, and you go down and you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to actually go and, and do like heavy software eventually to be integrated onto these wearables. Is that, is that a, you know, a, the, a, a, the, the traditional path for somebody coming from business development to then create a, you know, software-based startup? Uh, you know, I'm more familiar. So, so it's, it's been done. I'm much more familiar with people starting out, for, for instance, getting computer science degrees or starting out right. in technical right. roles and make and kind of joining the dark side of going into business yeah. roles. Uh, I think that, I think that sort of, uh, you know, I'm a little averse to kind of labels and labeling people in their careers. And I, and I see that a lot, even as I, you know, interview people or as a, as a hiring manager at different times. You know, we have a tendency of thinking of someone based on the job, the the, the last job that they've done, right. or you know, the, the 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 role they've done the most of. And I think we run the risk of kind of shortchanging ourselves by saying, "Oh, I'm a I'm a business guy. I can't like spec out uh, a product or build a, a prototype of a UI, you know, uh, for for a smartwatch, for instance." And like, you know, my point is, you never know until you try. Uh, totally. I, right. So, but look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna BS you. I think there are, you know, there's limited efficiency, right? There's diminishing returns. There's there is a lot. Of, there's a strong argument to be made for like, kind of doubling down in, in one role. Of course. Um, and I and I certainly you know have proportionately overdeveloped, you know, business negotiation strategy muscles relative to to some of the other things that I needed to use. That's as a, as no, no. A that, that's really. CEO. That's really awesome. Okay, now I want I want you to talk to me about this thing. So right now we have so many people around, you know, walking around with these things on their wrists. You've been in this space for now six years, and you know you've been thinking about this daily. And you know it's one of the key one of the questions that you know always came up between me and my friends as we're seeing this you know world unfold and as we're getting introduced to this new phenomena of like our phone on our hand. Where where is the world going? I mean, our I mean, how do you see? smartware technology integrated into society and how, you know, I, I want to play like a mind game of where you're going to see this going in the next 10 years and what things we can be excited about or, or pessimistic about. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a source of excitement. Um, look, I think I'm a big believer in the notion that, that computing is becoming ubiquitous, right? So everything is going to, everything around us is becoming connected. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to have a screen or a microphone or, you know, but, but things are going to have sensing capabilities, inputs and outputs. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, you know, the world around you is going to be a set of devices that kind of talk right. to each other. Um, and there will hopefully be, and I think, you know, I certainly see Google as being one of the services that can help bring all of these disparate uh, endpoints together to unlock value for, for the user, right? So right. for the user. Uh, so I think that's true in general. I think with, um, and, and so we're kind of moving from a world in which you, you know, used to sit at a computer and then you kind of took your laptop with you and now you've got a computer with you all the time in your pocket, um, moving to this modality where like the computer is kind of just ambiently um, around, totally. right? Um, and so the, when it comes to wearables, for me, you know, the wristwatch, I mean, we, the wristwatch dates back to the 1600s, right? It's, it's in many ways the original personal computing form factor. And so it's tried and true, and there's a lot of value in having something on your wrist, both as like a quick 
kind of glanceable uh, uh, device for interactions for consuming information. And increasingly, and I think we're seeing this industry-wide with, with smartwatches as a, as a place to, to fit sensors that can help you understand what's going on in your body totally. and, and potentially even save your life. Um, so I think the, 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 and this is not, I'm not saying that the watch is going to like eat the phone. I don't, I don't think that's happening, but in a broad constellation of computing devices that you, that you work with, um, the wristwatch has these three critical advantages to me. One is it, it works and yeah. you're comfortable with it Two, good place for sensors, three good form factor for, for certain interactions and consuming information. What's missing? So what's missing from my interaction with my watch right now that you think I will be, I will have in the coming years? Uh, so I think what's missing, there's still friction, right? There, we, we haven't eliminated. So I think specifically things like battery life, you know, battery yeah. life, these devices still quite limited. Um, it's another thing to charge. Like there's some clunkiness to that. Um, it, we're still largely, I mean, I think, there, there are kind of cellular connected options for wearables, but I think that's still a little bit the exception. You know, it's expensive. It's right. again, there, there are power implications there. By the way, that so friction you, that you sh- that you mentioned before, does do you see when you know I'm looking at the, the general consumer when they purchase a watch, do they use it as frequently as they would of a regular watch, or does it get to a point where you know they put it away, they forget about it, they they stop using it, they come back to it? What's the relationship to of today's consumers with wearables? Yeah, I mean, look, I think attrition as with any product is key and 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 definitely the the battery life. There's a lot of data that shows that like, you know, once you have to take something off every so often to, to charge it, that dramatically, you know, that can significantly increase the chances that you're going to forget to put it back on. Right. You know, which right. intuitively makes sense. Right. Um so 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 that's that's definitely a challenge that exists um but you know, in general, obviously people do uh, many people are very, very happy with with their smartwatches and 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 use them on an ongoing basis. Um, and there's also a link of um, the fitness and wellness aspect of these devices because it's again, you that's you can't get that from your phone, right? Or, right. or certainly not uh, all of it and not as easily. Uh, and so so I think that 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 kind of uh, plays into it. I think there are other challenges with the smartwatches. I think things, new technologies, we're, we're, we kind of, we all had this sugar high from the smartphone revolution, which was a very rapid onset transformation, right? And then we look at things like AI, we look at things like um, uh, augmented reality, uh, you know, drones, right? Like these are these are technology, te- technological development cycles that are, are taking a little bit longer to bear fruit. Um, it doesn't mean they're not going to be monumental. Uh, it just means that we need to be patient. And I think the same is true with wearables and with the smartwatch in particular. I think we're still in this modality of kind of like developing these devices like a right. mini phone. And as we move away from that, we're going to see greater adoption and ultimately more value. Very, very cool. I have to ask, you know, you left Google for a few years. And I mean, I'm extrapolating to any cor- any company that grows you know, naturally with time, you come back a few years later, you come back to the same company, but it has to be a different company in some sense. Were you surprised by any, you know, social norms or, you know, different things that all of a sudden you're like, like, wow, like I did not expect to see this when I came back. Uh, yeah, I mean, things again, we, we, it's, it's hard to grok the different timelines, right? So like an organization evolves at a different pace than, than you, you, you know, you experience your own career. Um, 
it was mostly the same. I think that there were some um, positive surprises. I think in general, kind of the the debate style and the the the, the team dynamics have have shifted and have been shifting towards you know being not that it was ever like I, a huge problem in my in my first run, but more inclusive. Um, more, just nicer, more, more actively respectful. Well, I think and Google, so it, Google it, it is an across, exemplary. Right? I mean, Google, I think you know, worldwide is known as as one of the companies that are you know advocately, like very openly advocating for you know healthier debate and, and more supportive ecosystem and more inclusion. So that's that comes at no surprise. Right. But I, but I'm sure that it, it has to be an interesting experience living in company at X going through Y and Z and coming back at W. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's, it's like you're back in the same place, but you've gone through all these incredible transformations yourself, going through leadership at a startup, creating and selling a startup yourself, and now back and working in this domain. Lior, we're almost out of time. I can't believe it, but I have to ask you the most important question. Three words that you would use to describe yourself. Uh, you know, so thoughtful, uh, critical, and helpful. Thoughtful, you know, critical, that's helpful. How, yeah, that's, that's how I would like to describe myself. I love it. Lior Todaraba, thank you very, very much. It's been a pleasure. And, and just as a fun fact, you just mentioned before this talk that you were one of the founders uh, with my father and Amir and Eyal of uh, Google Campus Tel Aviv, which is like that's a, right. an awesome, awesome surprise to hear. It's, it's so fantastic. I actually yeah, yeah, it's, it's a funny connection. We had Michal on the show, uh, Michal Waltner-Levy, yeah, a few yeah, yeah. weeks back, and we had Amir Shvat as our first episode. And, and so I'm, I'm slowly building the, the yeah, you're, Google You're crossing team. the names off your list. Exactly. <laughs> Take care. Thank okay. you very much. Bye. Thank you.